as we humbly serve in the kingdom of God, there are things that come that are a threat to us. We have many warnings in Scripture about the threats that we have as we walk our daily life before Christ. One such threat is found in, or admonition about a threat is found in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1. Here we read, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Our subject this morning is drifting away. Drifting is a nautical phrase that means slow, gradual movement away from our target. And Paul gives us here a very short admonition. He says that we should be heed, we should give heed or give our attention, not just give our attention, but intense attention. Not just intense attention, but that we should give extra or more. We need to really pay attention to the things that we've been taught, the patterns that we find in God's Word, the truths that we have embraced. We need to give heed to these things. We need to be reminded about them because we do not want to drift away from the course that we set as disciples of Christ. I read a story about two young men that were fishing in a fishing boat in a river in their hometown, and it was above a dam. And they were having a wonderful time fishing. The, the fish were biting. They were pulling them in. They were not paying attention to the drift that was happening to their small boat. By the time they heard the roar of the waterfall and realized that they were in danger, it was too late. They fought hard to, to back away, but the current took them over the waterfall. They were dashed on the boulders below, and they lost their life. Drifting away is dangerous, and it leads to destruction. Spiritual drifting is a reality. Paul recognized that as he gave admonition to these Christians, that destruction could come and that we could lose our blessings through our relationship in Christ because of drifting. Let's think about some attributes of drifting. Number one, drifting requires no effort. If we fail to set an anchor, if we quit rowing, if we're not paying attention, if we're doing nothing, drift will naturally occur in our spiritual path toward God. Number two, it's an unconscious process. Undercurrents are often unnoticeable from the surface and they carry us without us having markers and it becomes very deceptive in our lives. The speed downstream increases. As we get further and further off course like these two young men that were fishing, things speed up, the momentum increases and we reach a point that it is very difficult to overcome the drift that is happening in our life. Number four, it's dangerous to others. A drifting out of control ship is a hazard to all of the vessels that are at sea. And how true this is in our spiritual walk as well. Drift ends in shipwreck. You know, we often 
look at other people around us, and maybe we're aware of weaknesses in our fellow man, and we're ready to identify the things that maybe they're, the decisions that they are making that are incorrect. And sometimes when we hear a warning like this to be very diligent so that we don't drift, we think about other people. Maybe we've known some people in the past that were very dedicated to their service to God, and today they're no longer active in in serving their Creator. But this morning I want to ask a special request, and that is that we do not look at other people and think about other people, even though there may be benefit to learn lessons from others. But this morning I want us to think about ourselves. Because we, this is a threat to every disciple of Christ. It doesn't matter how long we've been a member of the church. It doesn't matter how much we've studied, how much we've prayed. We can be an evangelist. We can be an elder. We can be a teacher in the congregation. These things do not keep us from growing lax and being susceptible from drifting away. The Apostle Paul was as strong a Christian as we read about anywhere in the New Testament. And yet he made this statement about his own life in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 27. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. The term used in the King James Version, lest I become a castaway. Castaway is another nautical term about losing your track and being cast away and being unable to regain your life or your position. And Paul said, I have to be aware so that when I have preached to others and have brought others to Christ, I myself should be disqualified. We're not talking about those Christians that completely turn their back on God overnight. Satan loves people to be filled with pride and rebellion and just completely turn away from God. That serves his purpose. But most of the time, Satan uses this drift to tempt those who are following God. We're told that he works to draw even the very elect away from the pathway toward God. He works in subtle ways, and we must know about His ways and be aware. As we look at this illustration, we see that every one of us start in the same place in our walk with God. That is when we obey the gospel, and we come into contact with the blood of Christ, and we are a part of His family. And as a part of His family, we realize that the pathway to heaven is given us in His Word. Christ talked about two roads, one broad way and one narrow way. If we do nothing, we will drift and we will go down the broad way. We must be diligent to select the narrow way and we must be very deliberate about making our choices and decisions to stay on the path that leads to heaven. As we said, Satan will seek to turn people away from God But he also understands that all he has to do is get you a few degrees off of the proper path and and your path will lead to a place of condemnation. A lot of times this is slow and gradual and we, 
we may not notice it as these attributes of drifting come into our life. Of course, we stumble and fall along the way. We make mistakes, but we get back up and we repent and we get back on the right path. And it's a process of growth as Christians that we go through and we should heed the warning that Paul gave that we give earnest heed unless we might drift away. We're going to look at some processes here. This probably doesn't include every way or every weakness that would dilute our effort to serve God. But these are common things that happen in the lives of Christians and they have a cumulative effect. They start out very minor, but then they lead to things that are very serious. And unless the drift is corrected, that Christian will go over the waterfall. And his life will be destruction rather than the blessings that God has for His people. So let's look at this. As we talk about these things this morning, we have the, the Scriptures listed for you over to the left. We'll have the text up. We're not going to read all of these Scriptures in detail. If you are not familiar with this material, we've got a printout with all the verses on it. Ask for that and you can take it home and it would make an excellent study for you. This morning our purpose is to remind us of things that we already know. And we want these verses up to show you that these are certainly in the Word of God. And we want to give an overview of these symptoms of someone who is drifting away from God. And we're going to start with number one. Those who are at ease. We're taught in the New Testament that we need to go back and we need to study the actions of the people of God under the old law. And one thing we see there is God's people drifted away from Him repeatedly. He would bring in a neighboring nation and defeat them, and they would be humbled down. A judge would rise up and lead to their victory, and they would receive God's blessings. But then before very long, they would grow at ease. They would begin to drift away from God, and then the whole process would start over and over again. This is the natural course unless we are very watchful and the prophets of old were sent to warn these people about this very situation. The prophet Amos said, Woe to them that are at ease. When we become satisfied with ourselves, that's the very time that we are not focused and giving the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. In Hebrews 6, verse 1, we have the concept that the Christian life is a growth process. We start out with foundational submission to God in the ways that He leads us, and then we work toward perfection. We will never reach perfection, so we should never stop growing. But people at times will reach a level, and they are very satisfied with their relationship with God, and they say, I'm strong. There's no problem here. And when they make that attitude a part of their perspective, then that makes them susceptible to drifting away. Again, Paul's words, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. 
We're most vulnerable when we're lifted up with pride and we think we've got it all figured out. Satan loves to put us in that position and then that creates an attitude in our life that starts this process of drifting away from God. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees. He said they trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Trusting in ourselves is a mistake. We need to trust in God. We never need to lean to our own understanding, as Solomon instructed. But always understand that we are dependent on God. We can't map out our own course. We have to allow God to do that. And if we ever step aside from that mindset of submission and allowing God to guide us, then Satan has started to plant something that will cause us to drift away from God. The second step is apathy. We become satisfied with who we are, and so then it's very easy for us to grow indifferent in our service to God. Again, very dangerous. The lack of zeal is a strong symptom of drifting away. It's easy for Christians to fall into a dull routine in their service of God. It's because they've done it for years. Maybe we dressed this morning, we drove here, we were seated here in the assembly, and we haven't thought about what we're doing here. It's very easy to get into this type of mindset and let this indifference start to separate us from God. Christ said in Matthew 24, 12, Because of iniquity, the love of many will grow cold. Do you see that word grow? Christ didn't say because of all the iniquity and the bad influence around us all at once, we just turn against God. He said our love grows cold. It's over a process of time that we allow these things to come into our life and to influence us and to dilute our concentration and our awareness of who God is and who we are. And this is a, a process, a part of this process of drifting away. God is sickened at His people who are lukewarm. He says here, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Half-hearted serving God will never please Him. He says He'd rather see you hot or cold than lukewarm. We need to be careful about our indifferent approach to the things that we're doing to serve God. Rather than having a lack of zeal, we have all of these commandments in God's Word. We've already read one. Be more aware so that you don't drift. Here's another one. We need to be fervent in spirit. That doesn't mean that we go about it in a half-hearted way or from habit or just in a ritual that we've developed in our life. Colossians 3, verse 23, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord and not unto men. Whatever it is that we're doing to be, seek to be closer to God and be on His pathway, we need to carry it out as such as though we're doing it for Him, not for men. Our ministry in the kingdom of God is to humbly serve. And a lot of our service is to our fellow man. Do we grow lax in that service and do it as though we're doing it for men, when in reality we are doing it 
because God has asked us to do it. Do it heartily, as unto the Lord and not unto men. One place we need to be sure that we're not apathetic is in the worship service. We've gathered here this morning. We've came for a purpose. That's to worship God in spirit and in truth. This is what God has asked us to do. And here we read the words of Christ. He said we must worship in spirit and in truth. Truth is very important. We have patterns in God's Word that sets our worship order in place, and we have to follow that worship order to have true worship. But we're also told that we must worship in truth. The elements of worship that we engage in, the singing, we're told that we must sing and make melody in our heart to the Lord. There's a lip service that we actually use our voices and our lips to sing. But where does that come from? That comes from the heart. How many of us get into the habit of singing? We get into the entertainment of how it sounds and the, how beautiful it is and how we hit the notes. And we need to do an excellent song uh, job of singing. We need to do our best. And these things are important. But the most important thing is... We need to be doing it from the heart. We read in 1 Corinthians 14 in an assembly context, the admonition, I will pray with the Spirit and pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding. Prayer, singing, these are things that we do with understanding. You see how this correlates back to what Christ said in spirit and in truth. But we do this from the heart. This is the way that we please God. This is the way that we fight against indifference when it comes to worshiping our Creator. How many of you remember the words of the songs that we sang together this morning? Was your mind somewhere else? What about the prayer? Did you join in? With Callan, as he led the prayer, did you repeat those words in your mind and from your heart? Or was your mind somewhere else? God wants us to give Him our best. And that means that we give Him these things from our heart. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper in a few minutes. We're warned about how that we have to do this in a proper way, that we have to examine ourselves and make sure that we are discerning the body and the blood of Christ. If our mind is somewhere else, we're not engaged and we're not going to receive the blessing of partaking of the Lord's Supper, remembering what He's done for us, renewing our spirit, renewing our relationship. We need to make sure that each of these things is done from the heart. What about our contribution? Again, as we purpose in our heart. You see, every one of these things are important. And every one require, if we're going to do it and please God, and receive the blessing and the benefit that we have to do it in spirit. Hebrews 12 and verse 1 Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
As we think about apathy, whether it be in our daily life as we live for God, or whether it be in our worship service, this is good admonition, isn't it? We're mourning the passing of my brother Lyle, I think a life well lived, all the way to the end of of the way. He endured, even with the problems that came along the way, he ran that race with patience. And we could see the fruit of that in his life. These are the things that we have to determine to make a part of our life, so that we will reach that heavenly goal in the end. Endure in this race that is set before us. What happens when we develop attitude problems and we become satisfied and then we're apathetic about serving God? Those attitude problems begin to affect our actions, don't they? And one of the first things we might notice is we lose interest in prayer and study. There's many, many verses in the Bible. We could teach multiple lessons about prayer. We could bring multiple lessons about study. The fact is, these are the foundational things that keep us viable as Christians. And we want to always use these things to revive us and and bring us closer to God in that growth. Remember, we're, we're working toward perfection, and we need to use these tools in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving Let our requests be made known unto God. We want the peace of God that passes understanding, and we talk about it a lot. And sometimes we pull verse 7 out and we read that. To me, it's connected to verse 6. If we want the peace of God that passes understanding, we have to count our blessings. We have to, through prayer and supplication, always focus on what God is doing for us, that builds our trust in God, that brings about this peace that passes understanding. We have to do our part. We have to be diligent to call on our Father in prayer that keeps us close to Him, to be diligent to open up God's Word and read it. If we fail in our knowledge, we will be destroyed. That's what happened to those children of Israel. That's what the prophet said in Hosea 4, verse 6, they were destroyed because of their lack of knowledge. Here's the admonition, whether we're newborn babes or people that are well-versed in the kingdom of God, we need to study God's Word. As babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that we will grow. As we continue to grow, we need to search the Scriptures daily as the example is given in Acts 17 and verse 11. Starts out with what we would say is a minor, we're satisfied with ourselves, and then a little bit of indifference. But look how these things progress. Are we getting closer to being dashed on the rocks below the dam? If we're following these things, In our life, that's exactly what's happening. It is progressive. It's gradual. It's hard to see unless we look at ourselves and make a proper evaluation. These attitude things lead to action things, and some action things lead to other 
detrimental actions in our life. If we get lax in our prayer and study, we're going to lose our focus about what our mission here is as the disciples of Christ. We'll lose interest in serving others. Christ spoke a parable in Matthew 25 where He separated the sheep and the goats. The sheep were put there because they served their fellow man. The goats, when they had opportunity to serve, did not do that. Look at what was stated at the end of that parable. Those who did not serve their fellow man, they were sent away into everlasting punishment. In this parable, this is what made the difference on the eternal destiny of these people that were standing before Christ on the day of judgment. We need to be compassionate as Christ was compassionate. We need to look toward the needs of others and we need to be willing to serve others every time that we have an opportunity. As we have opportunity, let us do good unto all. That's everyone around us. That's our neighbors. That's those in the body of Christ. Especially when we see them in need, we need to serve them. Who is our neighbor? Well, Christ gave a parable in Luke chapter 10. We call it the parable of the the Good Samaritan. Christ was answering that question, who is our neighbor? And He talked about a person that was attacked and left dead by thieves. The religious people of that day walked by on the other side. They didn't have time to take care of the needs of this individual. But this Samaritan came by, who those religious people looked down on as the very lowest, and he was the one that took care of this individual that needed help. And Christ said, Go and do likewise. This is our calling as we walk the pathway toward heaven. If we do not demonstrate this as we reach out and serve other people, we have opportunity, we have ability, and we refuse to do it, then we're taught very clearly that the love of God does not abide in us. What's more important than even serving a person's physical needs or or wants? Serving their spiritual needs. If we're not careful as Christians, we get distracted, we let some of these things dilute our focus, and we lose our interest in serving souls, saving the souls of others. Christ stated it. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He gave the great commandment to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, to make disciples of all nations, then to teach them to observe all things. In India, there's been a thrust to teach the gospel and bring people into the church, and there's great opportunity to do that. And our men there have become experts at bringing people in and planting those congregations. That's very, very important. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 20 says we need to teach them to observe all things. So we have to focus in both areas. We have to seek to bring our congregations to maturity because our goal is not just to convert someone to Christ, but it's to get them to heaven. And all of these issues are important. These should all be near and dear in our hearts. 
We should write these things on our hearts and be concerned to help in any way that we can to bring people closer to God. That's what they did in the first century. The congregation at Jerusalem was scattered everywhere because of persecution. And the Bible says in, here in Acts 8, 4, they went everywhere preaching the gospel. You see, it wasn't just the evangelists. It wasn't just the apostles. It wasn't just the, the elders or the teachers in the congregation. It was everywhere. The common person had made Christ's mission their mission, and they went everywhere and they preached the Word of God. Words of Christ, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. Don't procrastinate. Don't put these things off. If we put these on the back shelf, that's an indication that we're being deluded in our service to our Father in heaven. We plant, we water, various ones work together within the body of Christ. Within the congregation, we are equipped, the best equipped, according to Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 16. We are, as a group, the most capable of carrying out the mission of Christ. But we have to be focused on that. We have to want that. We have to make that our mission. When we detach from God, almost every time there's going to be a result of that, it's very detrimental to us spiritually. When we detach from God, we're going to begin to attach to the world. Christ said you can't serve two masters. You're either serve the one or the other. God said, I will vomit you out of my mouth, those that were lukewarm. Why? Because unless we're totally focused and on track and on the right path, then we're being drawn away into these things of the world. And we can't do both. We have to choose which one we're going to do. Paul mentioned Demas, who was involved in evangelistic efforts for Christ, but then he turned away. Paul said he loved this present world, and so he forsook the things of God, and he went for those things that were in the world. Christ said that no person is fit that puts his hand to the plow and turns back. That's you and I as disciples of Christ. We can't afford to re-engage in the world. We talked about where we start in our relationship with God. We obey the gospel. We build that relationship. One of the main things that we do when we submit and become a child of God, we deny ourselves. We deny the things of the world. We take up the cross. What happens when we turn back to the world? Evil company corrupts good habits. You know, sometimes we think we can do both. We can pursue our goals in the world. We can set God over here for a period of time or at a level where when we get these things done, well, then we'll come back over here and we'll, we'll give everything to God. Do we find, command, example, anything of making those type of decisions, we have to be very careful. We have to give more earnest heed that we don't make those kind of decisions where we place ourselves, Satan gets a grip. It's just like the current of that 
stream running toward that waterfall. The further we get away, the faster it's moving, the more attached it becomes to us, and it pulls and it pulls. Is it impossible to make those kind of decisions and get back? The Bible speaks of a point of no return in Hebrews chapter 10. We can get to a point where we don't want to repent anymore. We're so involved and entangled back in the world that we don't make it back. And that's what's so dangerous about these ideas of drifting away. We don't need to, to dabble in these influences that will dilute our commitment to God. The final step of drifting away would allow all of these processes to happen and we get down to the point, well, God's not important to us anymore. Maybe we give Him the fruit of our lips, but we're not focused on being a part of God's family. Even to come as He has requested us to come and worship Him and to lift Him up in praise. Here in the New Testament, these people worshiped God. They did it with great joy. They continually praised and blessed God. Is that our heart? Is that our mentality? If not, are we drifting? Are we getting closer to God? Or are we finding ourselves further away from Him? Jesus taught in John chapter 6, verse 53, and He said, Unless we eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, we have no life in us. The things God has asked us to do renew our commitment to Him. We need renewal every day when we get up. And the first thing that's on our mind, the first thing we do is pray to God. We take time to, to study His Word. We need that every day. Sometimes we need it every hour going through the day. God thought that we needed that every week on the first day of the week. He asked us to come together and worship Him and partake of the Lord's Supper. What happens when we decide that's not important? We're not here on Sunday morning, or we're not in a, an assembly of the church on Sunday morning. We're not partaking. We're not discerning the Lord's body. I believe that we have seen this progression, and now we're to a point that a person is very much under Satan's control. The quicker we break loose from this drifting, the easier it is to get back and get on track with God. That's the reason that these warnings are given in the Word of God. That's my objective in warning you this morning. Because if you look at these things and you determine that these things are in your life, they need to be corrected. And the quickest way is too slow. We're going to conclude our thoughts this morning by taking a spiritual questionnaire. A lot of times in, in our world, we're asked to fill out a survey. We're asked to fill out the census. All of these different things that take data and it's sent back to a central location so that someone has some information that they can make a decision on. This morning, we're going to heed the admonition of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, 
we're going to take a survey, but this is going to be for us. It's not going to be for any other purpose but for us. And as we've talked about these symptoms, I hope we can come down and, and we can apply the question to me. You'll notice in this question, it's the personal pronoun. Am I satisfied with me? Am I okay with my relationship with God today? Again, the admonition, beware lest ye fall from your own steadfastness. I hope if you analyze yourself, take an assessment of where you're at with God and you see this condition, I hope you'll get it corrected. Right now, the easiest time to correct drifting is the earliest point. Number two, am I indifferent about my service to God? And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. The fact is, some people get part way down from becoming a child of God, part of the way, and they give up. They grow weary. The load's too heavy and they give up. We've had many examples live before us in this congregation of people that lived all the way to the end faithful to God. Those should be our examples and we need to renew ourselves. If we grow weary spiritually, we need to get back to the things of God and make them our priority. Number three, do I pray and study as I should? Pray without ceasing. Be diligent to rightly divide the Word of Truth. We talked about how foundational this is. Don't be thinking about anybody else at this moment, but think about yourself. How much time are you spending in prayer to God? How much time are you spending in study to the Word of God? Is it more today than it was a year ago? Is it more today than it was six months ago? Do you think about God more today than you did weeks or months ago? Are we growing? Am I growing? Or am I going sideways? Or am I going down? We know the old adage, we don't stop and hold. We're either growing or we're slipping. And that's especially true with studying God's Word. If we're not refreshing our mind and studying and being reminded of how important all of this is, then we're slipping in our knowledge of the will of God. We need to correct that. How do we stand when it comes to serving others? Do I serve others? Is that important to me or is it all about me and what I can do to please me and what I can do to have the benefit? Philippians 2 says we need to esteem others higher than ourselves. We have opportunity to do that as we serve within the kingdom of God. If we know to do good and we don't do it, it's sin. If we know we should be serving others and we're failing in that, then that's sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin brings us to the rocks below the waterfall. Am I concerned about saving souls? How valuable is one soul? Christ said if we could gain the whole world and lose our soul, we've made a bad trade. That's how important souls are. And we need to reflect that in the way that we live our life and the way that we serve God. 
Do I love the world more than God? We have to be very honest with ourselves to answer this in the correct way because we have so many attachments in this life we need to always be making sure that they fall in the right category. No one that engages in warfare becomes a soldier of God and tangles himself with the affairs of this life. Question number seven, do I attend worship regularly? I hope that these admonitions and these warnings have been taken in love as they have been given. As shepherds in, in the body of Christ, we're told to teach, we're told to edify, we're told to warn. And as we see these warnings in Scripture, it's very important that we share them with all of you. We should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We should be honest with ourselves and with God. We need to correct areas of negligence, and we need to avoid drift. Lust counteracts Satan's will of gradually causing us to drift, and let's put in place God's will, and let's stay on the pathway from this earth to heaven. This morning we want to offer an invitation. It's the invitation of Christ. It's always open, but this is a convenient time for people to respond. If you have not named the name of Christ, if you have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, you need to start your walk. Otherwise, you're on the broad way and you're headed for destruction. Take the opportunity this morning to respond and become a child of God. If you're here, you need the prayers of the church, or if we can help you in any other way, we invite whoever to come forward and be seated here on the front as we stand and sing the song of invitation.